Yeah, so welcome back to the Sooner Surge as uh, you are all in for a treat today as we have Chris Plank joining us today. It's an honor, it's a privilege to have you on. Voice of OU Softball, uh, done so much with OU Sports, Sooner Sports Podcast, uh, also nationally with Arnie Spanier Show. And I know Jason and I grew up here in Tulsa with you on the buzz with Jeremy Poplin. So, yeah, so it's uh, great having you on. Appreciate you taking the time to join us, man. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate you guys having me on. Any uh, chance I get to talk uh, more OUM about it, especially from someone who can remember the big show, because those were, I guess, we can say the good old days. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, first, let's, uh, I know t- 2011 is when you kind of started with the OU stuff, and 15 and 16 when you started with the softball. Uh, can you just maybe talk about impact of Toby Rowland? Was there, was there as you transition into calling and being the voice for the softball program, was there – you know, a connection there where he uh, impacted you in any way? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I would say that he's among that list of, you know, three to three to four people who I pretty much owe everything to that's not family. Uh, and he's like family, right? We've been working together since 2011. And, you know, even to this day, we're, we're jumping as soon as we, we get done with the Sooner Surge pod, we're jumping on a call with Learfield where we're going to go over everything for the 23 season and needs and it's just he's a he's the best man it's uh, it's a guy who lives it it's a guy who loves it it's a guy who challenges you but uh in a way to where you know you're learning and uh it, it's it makes sense that he's now the uh, professor if you will running a broadcasting mm-hmm. class because he's just so smart and he's just so uh real and that's what i've appreciated about it so i'm i'm not here in norman if it's not for toby Rowland, right i'm probably still in Tulsa, but he uh, he made this a big deal, and I pretty much owe uh, most of my career to him. I'm grateful to get to work to him every day. He's the best. I w- will share text about calls. It's like, hey, I'm thinking about saying this. What do you think? And he'd be like, uh, <laughs> no or yes. Yeah. So it's it, he's he's the best, man. We we've got an absolute gem in the Sooner Nation. That that's cool, man. Hey, did you ever think when you started calling softball that it would be this big? I mean, no. you I mean, you talk about OU football's king. OU softball is queen. It's right there with it. I mean, it's crazy. I My first year was 16. They lost their first two games. And I was just like, okay, we're, we're in big trouble. But <laughs> it, was, it was a young team. And from that moment, it just seemed that it took off. So I knew they were good. And I knew they had a following. But I don't know, guys, if I really understood what that following was or what that passion was. Uh, and it's been really cool to see it grow. You know, there were... Just to kind of give you a couple of examples, there's times where, you know, after the game, we'd be back on the bus, you know, five minutes afterwards. And I'm breaking things down. I'm hustling just so they don't leave me. Now, you got to wait. There's autograph seekers. There's, I mean, I mean, it's wild to see that reaction to them. And, in, you know, 2016 is also, we could walk through an airport. No one would bother you. Now these girls, when they, women, when they go through airports, they're known. And it's really fun to see they – I don't know if you guys have driven by Love's Field recently. It's coming along. It looks like it's going to be the gym that we expect it to be. And it's been a blessing, man. Uh, Patty Gasso, that staff, JT's been there with me. Jackie Livingston's been there since day one that I was there in 16. So it's really cool to see where it is now and where it continues to go and grow. Uh, Yeah, Chris. So as you said, you've seen the growth of the sport of softball. But as you know, you've seen this OU softball team have continued dominance over the last 10 years. Maybe what are a few things that you've seen from this OU softball team that allows them to keep their dominance at such a high level? 
I, I think it goes back to something that is about the most obvious statement that may have ever been made on this podcast, boys. Uh, they're getting the best players. <laughs> and, you know, Coach Gasso, I, I've, like I said, I've just really been lucky and I've really been blessed to not only get to call the games but get to know the sport. And when we were at the World Series, she was talking to Leah Amica, who is one of the greatest Arizona players, one of the greatest college softball players of all time. And Coach Gasso said, I needed to get players that looked like her. And she's talking about physically and where they were when they were coming in to high school or coming in from college to high school. And she said, I, I needed those players with that, you know, that, that looked the body type wise to where they're just a little bigger, a little stronger. And, you know, like a five star, if you will. And I think you've seen Oklahoma do that in the last, you know, 20 years since Patty Gasso has been the head coach. So it helps you when you have T.R.A. Jennings and Jada Coleman and Kinsey Hansen and Jocelyn Allo, you have the best players. But I really feel like there's a development side in softball that is so, so key. And I think, in, you know, Patty Gasso is not somebody that when practice is over, she's home or when the game is over, she's done. She's watching film. She's breaking things down. She's going over her notes, her scouting report. She's helping fine-tune a swing with, with JT or watching her pitchers with Joss, uh, with, uh, uh, with, with the, the pitching side of things. Rocha, yeah. I don't know why he's blank on Jen Rocha's name. Thank you. But she's just incredible in how detail-oriented she is. And I think best players, developing them. And then, you know, number three – just the feel, right? You, you got to have that mm -hmm. feel for the game. And she has an incredible feel for, okay, when's the time to run? When's the time to be aggressive? When's that time to pull back a little bit? When's the time to maybe play small ball? So, I mean, I, I said it whenever people were complaining uh, during the World Series about Oklahoma having an unfair advantage. Yeah, they've got an unfair advantage because they have Patty Gasso. And she mm -hmm. makes all the difference in the world. So, I could talk about them all day. I, I really could. But get the best players, continue to develop them, and then the next thing you know, you look up and you've, you know, you're the preeminent softball program in the country, and you're getting a new facility as you go into a tough conference, and you know one of the best pitchers in softball transfers out, and guess what? One of the best pitchers in softball transfers in. So it's pretty incredible to see how committed they've been on the recruiting trail. Oh uh, yeah, for sure. And next year, you know, they do lose a great one in Grace Lyons. They have a whole lot of senior captain leadership back. Uh, Grace Lyons was just, I saw, recognized senior scholar or uh, Big 12 scholar athlete. Uh, what's your opinion on what they're going to do at that shortstop position? Because I know there's talk of Avery Hodge maybe sliding in there. Or you got, is Tiare going to move over? Is Brito going to, I mean, there's so many options I think that Gasso has. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I was telling this, I'm literally at the radio studio. We just got off the air. And I've told this story a lot and it just kind of speaks to, the type of player or position-wise they bring in. In 2015, so Sid Romero, her freshman year, was the 16th season, but 2015 fall ball. When they had their first practice, Patty Gasso said, all right, everyone go to your position, and everyone went to shortstop. So you recruit a bunch of shortstops and maybe even pitchers in that, and I think that it, I, I think it's going to be an interesting battle. I don't know if any of the incoming freshmen have an opportunity to compete there. They obviously didn't go get someone out of the portal to play infield. So you hit it on the head. I think it's Brito, Hodge. I wouldn't sleep on T.R.A. Jennings. See, I always thought when Kelsey Arnold graduated, I thought that it was going to be a natural progression for Kaylee Clifton to shift over to short during what would that be the 19th season. But this kid named Grace Lyons came in and out of nowhere and has just held that position down for the better part of, you know, the last five seasons. So you're not going to replace her, 
But I think you're going to see a heck of a battle. I think Brito, keep an eye on Brito at short. But when you establish yourself at third, it's it's hard. You know, it's it's hard to take that because it's such a tough yeah. position to play. So I think it's going to be a battle. I wouldn't sleep on any of them. Avery Hodge has a few things she needed to clean up, and I'm really excited to see her in fall ball to see if she's continued to improve in that because she gives you something that is just different in this sport right now. It's just different, mm-hmm. and it's fun to see. Yeah. Hey, Chris, if you could give us one name maybe that you think next season would be a big contributor that maybe hasn't been yet, um, uh, who's a name that uh, Sooner fans can, can look for? Oh, gosh, that's good. Um, well, Kirsten Deal, but she kind of contributed a little bit near the end of last yeah. season. And this is one of my favorite topics, though, because I feel like so many times, guys, this goes for every sport. We get so excited about the freshmen that are coming in. We forget yeah. about those developmental players. Like we're talking football today, and you know, you, you you get so excited about all the youngsters, the Josiah Wagner's at, at corner, and the you know Macari Vickers that you're kind of stopping. You sit back, you're like, man, Woody Washington's been here for a while, and he's been really good. Yeah. So uh, and and has developed through this system. I think in softball it fits too. You know, in 2016, Aaron Miller and Katie Self were captains, but you know they. They were role players early in their mm-hmm. career that developed and became superstars and won a national championship. So uh, it's a little bit different because now with this Sooner softball team, you look and you're starting third baseman, second baseman, first baseman, catcher. And at any point in time, anyone in the outfield is back. I'll give you two. I'll try to limit it to two. Uh, Quincy Lilio, if you listen to the broadcast, I've been big on Q for the last uh, you know, season. I thought she had a great fall. She got dinged up a little bit. Uh, but played injured last year, so I think she's got a chance. And then Hannah Core, you know, Hannah Core set out all of last year with a back injury, but they mm-hmm. love her defense. They love her speed. Um, she's been working hard in the weight room, and if, if she's improved in her hitting, those could be two players, I say, that, yeah, you know, definitely keep an eye on that they could have a, a role on this team in 24. Yeah, Chris, so as you know, uh, Jordy Ball transferred out this offseason. And that came to the surprise of many Sooner fans. I know most weren't, weren't expecting that. So what were some of your initial reactions to that? And who do you maybe look for to step up and take over that Jordy Ball role this upcoming year? Yeah, I was shocked. Um, I was shocked. It started – there's a lot of people now that have set that timeline back. But mm-hmm. I started hearing rumblings at the World Series. And – I mean, you guys follow softball. I don't know if you uh, dive into the travel ball world, but, you know, there's, there's a lot of rumors. And, and I mean, I had heard a rumor that my Brady was transferring to Oklahoma. You know, all these things get thrown around, and you never know what's real or what isn't. So when someone had reached out to me and said, hey, what's going on here? I was like, oh, I'm sure that it's just people like to gossip. And then um, I heard it from somebody that would know that, hey, this is, this is something that is legit. How shocked. You know, I was I was really blown away. But then when you listen to Jordy and you heard her explanation, it made a little bit more sense. Right. She wanted to go home. Um, I didn't I didn't get to really know uh, Jordy's family all that well. I know that they have you know two sons. And so they were back in Nebraska a lot. And, you know, they weren't at a, uh, I didn't get a chance to see them at a ton of home games. And I mean, in fairness, I didn't even get to meet Alex Duraco's family until the last game, the last couple weekends of this season. So uh, it's just. I never really got to know them so where I could come on and say, well, I know dad felt this way or mom felt this way. Like say, I know, you know, Nacio or Brandon and, and Tiare and Elisabrito's dad. So the point is 
there was like no buildup, right? There was no, everyone said, well, I've been hearing things for a while. That's great. I had, I was blown away whenever uh, I found out the day of the celebration that that's what was going to happen and that she was gone. I'm, I'm happy to see the way that Sooner Nation reacted because I felt like that she gave us her all and, and won two national championships, but it's not anything Oklahoma did wrong. She wanted to be home. And it was, um, I'm sure there's other factors. I bet there's some chances to make a lot of money, but she wanted to be home. And I, I can't fight that. Now, as far as people that are going to step up, Kirsten Deal, Nicole May, right? You go out and you get Kelly Maxwell and you bring her in out of the portal. Uh, I, I like the other two portal ads, including the, you know, the girl out of Wisconsin, uh, Dulce, uh, again, names are escaping Mont- me right now. Monticelli. Monticelli. Thank Monticelli. you. Monticelli. Monticelli. She's got a chance to be really, really good. Um, I don't know how much we'll see her this year. I think she might be more of a matchup slash developmental type of player who could be, you know, a number one going into the SEC with uh, if everything else they have in Kirsten Deal and uh, hopefully S.J. Guerin and then the number one player in the country coming into that 2025 class or 2024 class. So this is a really, really deep pitching staff, right? And it's pretty, it's pretty wild to see one of the best that we've had go out and to replace it with one of the best pitchers in Oklahoma State history, uh, one of the best pitchers in Liberty history, a true potential arm in Monticelli, and then obviously in Kirsten Deal, we saw just her potential last year in Nicole May. It, it's a really fun staff, man. They're going to miss her. You're going to miss Jordy Ball, but I think they're still going to be really good. Yeah, yeah, Chris, since you took over as the voice of OU softball, they've won five national championships. You've had many historic calls on the radio throughout this uh I guess, however long it's been now, seven years or so. Uh, What was your favorite call that you've had so far? Well, winning national championships is fun. Those are always fun. Um, I think there's – being. I don't know if we'll ever be able to replace that feeling of being in Hawaii when Jocelyn Alo broke the record. I mean, the only thing that kind of stunk about it was what time it was as compared to where everyone was in the States, right? It was so late. that was pretty special. But also, that was also a little bit nerve-wracking because of the weight and the buildup and everything leading. We kept waiting, and people would walk her and wouldn't pitch to her. And it just – it almost worked out perfectly. So that was fun. It, all the you know, all the wins in Bedlam are always good, even some of the more challenging games in the OU-OSU series. I just – there's so many good call. there's so many good moments that I just hope the calls live up to it. I feel like confident they have. I feel like I've had fun with it. But I think it's going to be tough to top that, number one, the back-to-back home runs from Kaylee Clifton and, and Sid Romero to beat Tulsa in 2017. That was pretty special. Uh, Kinsey Hansen's home run against Clemson to tie the game because they just looked on. They looked out of it. Um, and, you know, when they won the national championship last year against Texas, that was a you – know, you, they were beating the snot out of them, so you knew it was coming – but that was just a really, really cool feeling. Um, it's they provided so many moments, so many incredible moments. I'm just, I, I think we're all blessed as Sooner Nation to just to be able to live in it. But those are some of my favorites. And I'm sure I'm missing some. Like I love all those trips we make to the Marionette, and we end up with some great games out there. But yeah, it's a, it, it's a really special team. It's a great job. Well, I, I definitely would say you've lived. All your calls have lived up to it. The moments I mean, we're blessed to have you at Thanks, Nation because I was actually at a wedding during the Kenzie Hansen uh, home run and had 
the wedding started about five minutes late. So I had people in the row behind us. We were all kind of listening uh, as that happened. So uh, definitely appreciate just your passion and energy, energy Thanks, and how you call things, man. But one more softball question real quick sure. before we transition maybe to a couple of football things is, is Jada Coleman, like, is that who she is all the time? Because, I mean, she'll get off the bus. She's high energy. Everywhere you see her, she's high energy. Is that just her all the time? I think uh, I think she's going to go down as one of the greatest Sooners ever. Um, and that's her, man. That's Jada Coleman. She's awesome. You know, she's always got a smile on her face. She's always brought energy. She's an incredible athlete. She's got a great family. You know, her dad's very passionate about the sport. And it's just, it's really, um, it's really unique, right, to see someone that came in and was trying to make history as a left-handed shortstop. But as soon as she got here, it was like, I think you might be better served in the outfield. And she hadn't played a lot of outfield. So you see the the um, the unselfishness of she could have if she wanted to after her freshman year, she could have gone anywhere in the country and been their starting shortstop. That's how good she is shortstop. Um, but she believed in OU and Patty Gath and oh, by the way, won a national championship her freshman year, so that helped, and has become one of the greatest center fielders we've ever seen. So uh, but that's that's her, man. She's high energy. She's fun. You know, I'm too old to understand half the TikTok dances that they do. But they, her and Riley Boone, they always seem to be dancing her up to something. It's just, it's um, she's really special, man. I every, every year I think, man, I don't know how we're going to replace Sid Romero and Kaylee Clifton, or I don't know how we're going to replace Jocelyn Allo, and they they always find a way, right? But when Jada Coleman and T.R.A. Jennings and Nicole May and Kinsey Hansen leave, that's and Riley Boone. That's going to be a gut punch because that crew, uh, Alyssa Brito and him too, even though she wasn't day one, um, that crew, man, that's they're just a really special group. And you can sense that they are – it's not a click, that they're the leaders of the team. Um, and I think Jada Coleman's someone that, you know, she's not – I don't know if she's going to be captain. I don't know if she's the most vocal leader. But she's definitely the loudest and the funnest in that group. And it's really been cool to see her grow. Yeah, Chris, transitioning into football, we're 17 days away now. Uh, what are your expectations for this upcoming season? I'm telling you what, I get more excited the more and more I hear from Peyton Bowen. Uh, I was listening to a lot of audio from him post-practice as we talk here on Wednesday. Uh, he met with the media on Tuesday night. It was really cool. Uh, he seems very confident. He seems very uh, in the know, well-trained on this defense, and that – that makes me really happy because I think that that back end has to be better this year. And apparently had maybe a little bit of a rough scrimmage on Saturday, but they've been really good in camp. You got numbers and you got guys that are training mm -hmm. and learning from different positions. So the more I hear from Peyton Bowen, I get excited. Listen, you, the schedule shapes up to where they got a chance to have some success. You avoid Baylor, Texas Tech, and Kansas State. Mm -hmm. And I think two of those three would have been road trips this year. You replace them with the Cincinnati team that, you know, we'll, we'll see. They played Emory Jones before, and I wasn't really all that impressed. That Now he'll go out there for 500 yards against us or something. <laughs> but, you know, Cincinnati, I, I, I think that Dylan Gabriel is going to be better. Uh, and we play his alma mater in UCF, or at least one of his schools he went to in UCF. And I just – I really – I really like the makeup of this team right now. Now, in fairness, I like the way they were talking last year, yeah. but you never really saw it, unfortunately, materialize, right, after the first three games. I like the idea of having more depth. 
Um, I, I do believe that guys got a little wore out and it became even more tiresome because you're losing games. So this competitive depth that's talked about is it's a big difference maker. And I think we'll see it. I, I expect 10 wins. I expect to be playing in Arlington this season. And I don't think the coach would disagree with any of those expectations right now. Yep. So this past offseason, obviously, Oklahoma football, they went through a massive roster overhaul with a lot of new additions through the recruiting class and transfer portal. Maybe who are a few guys that are returning and a few newcomers that you are looking forward to watching perform this year? I I think, that, is it fair to say Dylan Gabriel? I mean, that's such low-hanging fruit, but he's got to be better, right? Yeah. And he put up yeah. incredible numbers. So Dylan Gabriel, uh, I'm really excited to see what, if anything, we're going to get from Marcus Major. He is the forgotten guy in the running back conversation, and understandably so, because Javante Barnes had his game. In the, in the bowl game, Gavin Sawcheck had his game in the bowl game against Florida State. So 200-yard rushers in a game get you fired up, right? So I don't – I understand why Marcus Major isn't being mentioned, especially with Dylan Smothers and Caleb Hicks. But let me tell you something. Major looks good. He looks really good. Um, and it's, it's a guy that I feel like we've tried to build up too early and then we tried to ride off too quickly. So uh, I would throw Major in there. I think Isaiah Coe and Jordan Kelly are two guys. And, and Jordan Kelly might be the most forgotten guy in his, like, 86th year of collegiate el- eligibility uh, on the interior. He's probably not going to be a, a an NFL draft pick, but he is just a good, consistent interior defensive lineman. And I think, you know, he's going to be better this season as a guy who's been around. Uh, it, he's only – I think Kobe McKenzie is going to play a lot this year. I think he's a guy that – you know, along with Jaron Canick, Ted Roof said yesterday that, you know, he's a guy that is, is going to – they're in the rotation and they're going to play. So, you know, it, I could go up and down the roster and mention probably 20 more guys, but I know I know we've already gone for almost 30 minutes. But I just there, – there's a lot of dudes that are back that we forget about just because they're not, you know, household names or they're not new. Kelvin Gillian, you know, is this that time where he's finally going to step up and we see that – five-star potential from him. He's at 299 right now, so he's in a great spot physically in the interior of that defensive line. You know, Gentry Williams, is he going to be the starter opposite of Woody Washington, or are you going to have one of those young guys that, you know, uh, kind of knock him out of it? And I'd throw even Key Lawrence in there, a guy who battled injuries last year. These are dudes that, you know, you expect, but you don't hear their name a lot. And I think those are some guys that, that really have a chance to become difference makers. And you need them to here in 23. Yeah. You mentioned uh, just a couple more questions. That's it. Well, we don't want to take too much That's time fine. here, Chris. Uh, you mentioned DG. Uh, what is it this year? Do you think it's going to be him taking more risk? Cause I was pretty critical of him last year. Some seemed to check down some, maybe not be patient enough to look down the field. Do you think maybe there's going to be more risk taking or is it just, he's stronger. He knows Levy's system better. What all is that? He's familiar, more familiar with opponents. Right, understands those footwork issues. I mean, we've gone back to this a lot. You know, you go back to that Nebraska game, and if the broadcast, I think it was what Joel Klatt, if they're noticing in the booth, you know, his some of the footwork things they're seeing from him, you know, Jeff Levy's working on it with him too, and that Dylan Gabriel realizes it himself. But I just, I, I feel like it's that complete package, right? You're going to get better because of everything you've experienced. 
you played now in the Big 12. You understand what it's going to be like. And, you know, if Dylan, we'll see if Dylan, Dylan's got another year of eligibility if he wants, but I would imagine he wants to move on to the NFL. Or, you know, you, and a five-star that you would think is going to be starting here next season, or maybe even this year if things don't go well. But, yeah, I just think it's all these little things combined that can end up being that one big thing, which is overall improvement. I want to see Dylan Gabriel run the ball more. I think those moments where, where he kind of tucked and, and just went, they ended up being very, very successful plays. Now, two of them, he got hurt. But I just I want to see that a little bit more uh, implemented into the, the, the sooner offensive attack, but also with keeping him healthy because I don't want to have to worry about playing the freshman this year. I want him to get a year to learn. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I, it's, it's a little bit of everything. And I know that's a very generic answer. But it's not like one massive thing to where you say, oh, well, he's you know throwing the ball with his wrong hand or he's just got to do this or what. I mean, I feel like it's a lot of little things. And in that, you know, from what we've heard, he's having a really, really good camp. And that is incredibly reassuring. So, you know, just a little bit more from Dylan Gabriel and this team could really be something special. Yeah, Chris, we just got one more question for you. Uh, you mentioned Woody Washington's kind of the established guy at cornerback this year. And then you mentioned uh, Gentry Williams, Josiah Wagner, Makari Vickers. So who do you see as the guy lining up uh, opposite of Woody Washington this year? Yeah, it's going to be – that's one of the fun battles in camp right now, right? There's who's lining up next to Danny Stutzman. We can feel like Stutzman's going to start at one backer. You, you wonder who's going to be that – in that rotation, it's safety beyond Billy Bowman and Reggie Pearson. Is you know is, is Peyton Bowen going to end up in that mix? Seems like he's going to right with how good he's looked. But the other big one defensively, you know, is hey who's who's that dude opposite Woody Washington? I would say this this staff really likes experience, and unfortunately, they just don't really have an overly experienced guy at that other corner right now. So. Maybe because he's there a year, you can give that nod to Gentry Williams. Uh, I, I won't lie, I haven't heard much about Gentry at camp. I don't know about you guys, but in everything I've read, I've seen him out there. He looks fine, but it's almost as if that seems to be kind of more projecting how they think he's going to be. Um, it, I don't know. Again, we're talking about names escaping me. They had the transfer last year. They didn't play much. I believe it was North Carolina State. Uh, that was uh, can, in the, I, can I Walker? Can I Walker? Thank you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Can I Walker is a guy that. I mean, guys, when you look at him, you're like, whoa, all right, that dude plays corner. So, but again, I just, I haven't heard his name very much in anything that's been talked about from camp. So, you know, I think it's, I think there is a chance that you could see a true freshman that's going to end up being the guy out there quite a bit. Uh, I still am surprised about the Jaden Davis transfer, though a lot of people have pointed out that maybe you see the writing on the wall and you see these young guys and you realize, Okay, uh, I'm in a good spot, but I'm eventually going to get surpassed by Vickers and Wagner and, and Dolby and, and other names. But I uh, I think it is the number one story in camp defensively beyond any – as far as battles is concerned. We can talk about rotational battles. You can talk yeah. about depth on the defensive tackle. But to me, the number one battle is who is that corner opposite Woody Washington – and, boy, I would not be surprised at all if it's a true freshman that comes out and wins that job. Awesome. Awesome, man. Great insight, uh, Chris. It's great having you on here. Again, Sooner Nation is so blessed uh, to yeah, have you part of it. The consistency that you show every time, it's just we love it. 
Appreciate you joining the Sooner Surge here today, man. Boomer. Boomer Sooner, guys. Call Appreciate it.